Welcome to Gen Z Hoops, the Gen Z basketball coaching and sports business show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Coach Dave, how are you? Good. Doing good, John. Awesome. No, thank you so much for coming on the show. And obviously, right in the, in the middle of the season, and, and what's about to be for you guys, hopefully a deep playoff push. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and can't wait to kind of just jump into all, all the cool things you're up to. I mean, the first thing I want to ask you, though, and, and sure, I'm sure you definitely have seen so much high-level basketball, but the passion definitely comes from somewhere. I mean, I couldn't help but notice on your Twitter, you have, you post every week, the, right, the hoop of the day, every single day. I'm curious maybe what that all came from and, and, and what made you think of start, uh, doing that? Uh, you know what? That was just something that's kind of a fluke. It's about four years ago. I was with my daughter. We were somewhere and, and we saw a really cool hoop. And I don't do anything on social media except that. And so she said, you ought to post it as hoop of the day instead of, you know, soup of the day. I said, okay. So we did it. And uh, it's just something that kind of took off from there. But uh, first thing in the morning. Yeah, that's uh, that's my contribution to social media. Hoop of the day. <laughs> it's a great, it's everyone else, right? That's actually productive. I, when I saw it, I'm like, wow, okay, there's obviously there's some backboards that are broken. I saw some little tykes backboards. Some of them. Yeah, are it's, it's, it's and you know, some, you know, some of them people will send to me and a lot of them I take on my travels. So if you got any, okay. send them to me. <laughs> that, oh, I, I've seen a few. When I went to Greece, I remember I saw a couple with, uh, that were in really bad shape. I know, I know you'll, you'll love to see those. Oh, yeah. It's definitely cool to see how you, how you were able to appreciate that and obviously share that with, with people, with the people that follow you. Yeah, the 10 people that follow me, they get to see it every morning. I'm sure they love it, though. Um, definitely. Uh, but it's kind of on that, on that same note, right? And, and thinking about maybe your, your, your early career, I'm kind of curious, right? Uh, before you started coaching the NBA, maybe what that coaching path looked like and, and what got you so in- interested in it? Well, first of all, I had, never any intentions or visions of ever being, you know, in the NBA. I was just a high school teacher and a high school coach right out of college. But I started as a freshman coach and then a JV coach for a few years before I got even got my first varsity job as a head coach. So, and I was a classroom teacher in high school for what turned out to be 25 years. So most of my career was in high school. And then I spent a couple of years at junior college as an assistant a year at a, at a Division II as an assistant, my alma mater, and then uh, spent three years at Fresno State. This was right when video coordinators were first starting. Matter of fact, it was so long ago, we, the computer video editing systems had just come out. We still did a lot of stuff on tape to tape. This was back in the early 2000s at Fresno State. So I spent three years there, you know, really got into kind of player development stuff and uh, was able to, to, to land a job with the Bulls. So I was in the player development role for you know th- two years with the Bulls, six years with the Clippers. And now I, I'm in my current role as a pro personnel scout for the Clippers. This is my fifth season doing that. Of course. And I mean, it's so, and you've definitely seen so much on the way, but I, I'm really yeah. curious about the high school stuff. I'm, I'm sure everyone always asks you about all these high level players that you coach the NBA, but I, I'm curious about the high school stuff. Me being a freshman coach now at 20 oh, years good. old, kind of experiencing that, but then no, th- thank you. But then also just kind of just seeing how, I mean, you're one of the very few, number one, obviously, because it's the number of jobs in the NBA of high school coaches they're able to get to that level. I'm, I'm curious maybe what, what that'll look like for you and seeing such maybe good high school basketball or good high school coaching um, and then transferring that into the league when you got that opportunity. Well, first of all, my high school coaching wasn't very good. <laughs> you know, when I first started out, I didn't know anything about coaching. I made a lot of mistakes. I, you know, like everybody. But, um, you know, I was able to uh, come across some really good 
high school coaches uh, through Snow Valley basketball out here in California. And kind of when, you know, I really started to learn more and more about coaching and how to run a high school program. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it still all comes down to fundamentals and basic stuff. Now with the social media and the ability to put so much stuff out there for players to see that we, we just get away from how simple the game should be. You know, I have a really good friend of mine, Mike Procopio, and he always says, dominate the simple. I think we, we, we kind of get away from the basics and we see so much of this fancy, tricky stuff online. It always comes back to fundamentals, no matter if you're a high school kid or if you're an NBA player. Uh, if you can't shoot, pass, dribble, or guard the ball, you have a hard time playing. A hundred percent. And it's, you've obviously seen all that happen so many places, but I was curious what you said at the beginning when you spoke about how you made a lot of mistakes when you started. And I heard oh, yeah. your interview with Basketball Immersion where you kind of outlined all the mistakes that coaches make. I mean, what, what, what's the biggest one that you, you were like, man, I can't believe I did that for such a long time and you finally corrected it. I, I think taking a bad job, you know, taking a bad job. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, there's, you don't, you don't have the support of the administration. You have unrealistic expectations from administrators and parents. You know, there's maybe there's no tradition at the school. There's no ability to build a pipeline up through the middle school and, and elementary school. And so I, I think one of the biggest mistakes coaches make is, is taking a bad job. With all my coaching knowledge and expertise, I'll turn it around. And saying that, you know, there's some sometimes where, you, you know, you need a job and you have to take a job, even if it's a bad job. You know, you need a job. You know, sometimes you have no choice. But I think one, that's one of the biggest mistakes coaches make is they don't investigate exactly what kind of a job it is. Oh, super important to, to figure that out. And, and that, um, uh, there's a lot of other things, obviously, mistakes that, that I think are important. But that's that's right at the top of the list for sure. So many. And the one, one, one of them that I saw that you said that really stuck out was people just uh, kind of talking too much, maybe, or just or saying, <laughs> yeah. saying the one, right? And I've, I've had, it's funny, I've had other coaches come on the show and be like, don't be the guy that just yells, play defense. Like everyone knows that. Everyone kind of understands that. But what, what did you kind of see happen? Maybe the, the NBA level, I'd imagine, right? People are maybe a little bit more hesitant to talk, but I mean, I'm sure you still see it. For especially for a young coach, is, is, as soon as you can find out who it is you are and discover your personality, the better you're going to be. You know, I, I see a lot of young coaches that spend, you know, four or five years of their career just not knowing who they are and trying to be different personalities in their coaching. The, the sooner you can find out and be comfortable with, with who you are, there, there's all kinds of different personalities that we've seen, but you got to be who you are. And the quicker you can discover who that is, the better you're going to be. But the thing you mentioned about talking too much at practice, I, you know, you go to a practice and you're watching and the coach will stop and, and for five minutes, give a lecture on whatever it is he's trying to correct when he could have done it in 10 seconds. I think we need to do a better job of teaching and quick bullet points, you know, because there's nothing worse. And think back as you were a player than, you know, losing your sweat and stopping the flow of practice and, you know, listening to the guy go on and on for five minutes about, you know, how to get to a screen or whatever it is. So that's what I kind of meant by talking too much. Oh, 100%. I, I definitely see it happening all the time. But you mentioned something really key there in talking about how you have to find yourself as a coach. Uh, I'm curious, when, when did you find yourself as a coach? Was it right before the NBA job? Was it in the middle of all that uh, high school stuff? I probably still haven't yet. But And in saying love, love that, what I mean yeah. is we, we got to constantly be learning mm-hmm. uh, and growing as coaches. But I'd like finding your style and finding out what's comfortable for you. And, you know, it took me three or four years before I kind of was comfortable with uh, my style of coaching. You know, I went through phases where I was the, was the crazy guy, you know, coaching every possession. We called it the, uh, in the old school days, you had those video games, a video game coach, you know, where you're coaching every possession. Some guys, that's their niche. 
I've, I've seen coaches at the NBA level who almost coach like every pass, every defensive possession. That's just who they are. But that wasn't who I was. So I think the quicker you can figure out, maybe more importantly of who you are is who you're not. Definitely. That's just so important to, to, to think <laughs> I don't know about if that. that makes sense, but. Oh, it definitely does because everyone kind of tries to maybe be someone they're not, but that, that's so important. And, and, you know, and most young people, they don't know who they are anyway in any endeavor that they're trying to get into. Oh, of course. And I think all, all this coaching, uh, this, this knowledge, I'm, I'm sure you learned so much from the, all this trial and error leading up to, to yeah. I'm sure what, every, what everyone's really, really excited, what everyone asks you about all the time is, is that NBA job. What, how did you end up getting to the Bulls? What did that all look like? Uh, obviously, well, a really fun young team at the time. No, it was a fluke. It, it was, you know, it was, and it was nothing I pursued. I, I was working in the summers in Chicago for a guy named Tim Grover. He had a business called Attack Athletics, worked with NBA players mostly in the summertime. And I was happened to be in Chicago when the Bulls video coordinator was a friend of mine. He called me and said, hey, look, they just hired a new coach and he's interviewing player development directors. You know, would you be interested? And I said, sure. You know, and it's nothing that I ever aspired to do. But, you know, so I just got lucky and and got hired. And uh, so that was it. But it was, it was nothing that that I ever really aspired to be. All, all I wanted to do was really in California was I, I thought being a junior college coach in California would be great because it's very competitive out here with the JUCOs. I played JUCO. I, I really loved the junior college thing out in California. That's all I kind of really wanted to do. But I just kind of ended up in, in, in this kind of as a fluke incredible kind of thinking about that story right and just and just not not really chasing it but obviously the, the, the passion was all around basketball and it just sort of happened that way it was actually also funny when you brought up tim grover he has a company called attack athletics not like he was the trainer for the best player in the world or anything or, or of all time or anything <laughs> like that just you, know, you may, may possibly you know maybe one of the greatest trainer ever we'll just say I, that. I don't know if anybody you know if your listeners know who he is but you know he's just a terrific first of all he's a, he's very very smart uh, if you've read his books and you followed him, you know what a, what a bright guy he is. But he was kind of on the cutting edge of strength and conditioning for players. You know, Michael went to him after getting beat up by the Pistons, and he, he searched out and he found Tim uh, because he needed to get stronger. And it kind of went from there, you know, from Michael to Kobe and, and Dwayne Wade and all of the guys that he's had. So he's great. To my, in my opinion, of what he does, he's the best in the world. You could say it works a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's not just strength and conditioning stuff with him. The guy knows basketball. He played Division One basketball. Uh, he knows basketball. And the way he got guys to work, and the best thing about Tim was he always told them the truth. Always. You know, he didn't care if it pissed him off. or, or He was always going to tell them as what he thought was the truth. It, I, it was a great experience just, you know, working those few summers with him. Oh, definitely. And then uh, thinking about maybe uh, transitioning to then your, your role with the Clippers when you first got there, was it kind of the same thing you're doing with the Bulls? Did, did things change up? Yeah. I know the, the well, title was similar. Well, what happened was the, the coach that I that hired me that I worked for, Vinny Del Negro, we, you know, we got fired by the Bulls. And then right away, within a month, he was hired by the Clippers. And uh, he basically called me and said, yeah, we're going to L.A. I said, all right, let's go. After we got fired by the Bulls, I was going back to California to, to teach high school again. I was just going to go back and resume my teaching and he gets hired and we, we get hired by the Clippers and we, we came and uh, that was the summer that uh, that Blake was his, his rookie year he had sat out the previous year but this is the first year that he really played so we had basically Blake as, as a rookie and DeAndre Jordan as his second year so we had some young players and then we had some older guys too like Baron Davis was kind of at the end of his career Chris Kamen 
you know, I stayed there with three years with Vinny and then at, in the same position, three years with Doc. So cool. And just, I would imagine just seeing the progression of Lob City from, <laughs> well, from the start. Well, I mean, but... well, yeah, the progression. I mean, the fir our first year, we, you know, we went 30 and 52. And then all of a sudden, this little guy named Chris Paul shows up and uh, we get a lot better. And ever since then, the Clippers have been very relevant. We've had some, some things that we wish had gone a little better in the playoffs, but we've been, we've been relevant, you know, for sure the last nine or 10 years. 100%. I mean, in my, put it in perspective, my entire lifetime, the Clippers have been good, if not great. I mean, championship contenders, for me being 20 years old, my entire lifetime watching basketball, I don't remember the days of the Yeah, Buffalo you don't Rays remember the 80s the and 80s. 90s. I, I don't remember that at all. And I mean, it, it, Play, definitely. Playing at the sports arena, you know, which is now demolished. So, no, I mean, if, if my memory was erased, for, if, if in terms of like the, the history books, and I, I never read anything, I'd be like, oh, the Clippers are pretty, you know, pretty, you know, Clippers and Lakers, like it's it's pretty up in the air. Um, obviously, though, those record books do exist. Without those, my generation, Gen Z, would uh, would look at things a little differently. Um, but then you you said how you were in that role for the, for those six years uh, with those three years with Doc. Since then, obviously, there's there's been a whole change with going from Lob City now to where you guys have Kawhi and PG. A lot's right. kind of changed there. What, what what what's happened kind of with with, with your role with the team? Well, my role has changed that, that I, you know, I'm no longer with the team on a day by day basis. You know, I'm not part of the coaching staff anymore. I'm pretty much just report to the front office. First of all, we have the best owner in pro sports, in my opinion, uh, and not just because of the wealth. You know, there's, there's many, many other things that make him, in my opinion, the best owner. And we have a great um, front office staff, Lawrence Frank, you know, our GM and our assistant GMs. So that, that's kind of what my role is now, working in, in, under those guys doing, uh, you know, scouting and player evaluation at the NBA level. I don't, I don't do anything with college, really. Uh, it's, it's all NBA stuff. So, yeah, so not, not traveling with the team, but I'm guessing definitely watching a lot of film. It's funny, right? Yeah, you I'm, the I'm, watching, room, right? I'm watching a game. I got, you know, every night it's like league pass, you know, and during the day it's going back over the film and watching the games and, uh, you know, a lot of live scouting. You know, obviously this year has been difficult. Uh, we've been able to do some live scouting, but, not like, you know, in a normal year, you know, probably 50% of our time is spent on the road, you know, live scouting. For sure. I definitely imagine the, the pandemic changing everyone's job, but especially for, for scouts. I've, I've spoken to so many scouts in the past that have just said, like, my entire schedule is getting is basically on a plane, right? Is traveling, is, is visiting all these arenas, is thinking, okay, I can hit this on this road trip. I can hit this team. This team's like only a two-hour flight, so I'll do that one instead of a four-hour flight. Uh, kind of that's like the whole, that's the whole game behind it. You said obviously not so much, much NCAA or anything like that. It's all maybe pro-based. Do you kind of try to, in terms of in being a scout, maybe centered around maybe where the team is going, maybe trying to see the teams that the Clippers are maybe playing if you could? How does that no, really that's, that's a different see there's there that what you're talking about is an advanced scout an advanced scout has to kind of stay two or three games ahead of the posse and that's an x and o job got it okay uh you know and and he's he's working closely with the assistant coaches on you know plays and play calls and strategy and all that stuff a, a personnel scout is concerned and involved with personnel you know, who's playing well, what, you know, what players fit with our team, with our coach, with our culture, and, you know, trying to get intel on players. Uh, just knowing the league is, is from a personnel standpoint, inside and out uh, as best you can uh, and using your contacts and your, uh, your people that you know around the league to, to help get information on players. It's so interesting, and what you do is so cool. And you're doing it for for a team, obviously, right? That's really fun to watch. That that's maybe um, it's, something's going right there. Where you guys are the best shooting team from three and from the free throw yeah. line ever. So yeah, yeah there's obviously a lot going. 
going on there. Um, and, and I really, I can't wait to, to see it progress. Maybe well, the playoffs are a week, two weeks, three weeks and, and see that and see that run uh, go up, of course, much further than that. So, I mean, Coach Dave, I know you have definitely a lot of games to, to get to and to watch on, on lead pass. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I got, it's, I got maybe, a couple of them on right now. So. Ha, maybe, might be halftime now, but maybe they'll end soon or, or, or whatever it might be and you have to get back to it. So thank you so much for joining the show. I definitely really appreciate taking the time mid-season to, to come on and, and talk about all, all the great things you're doing now and hopefully what we can see in the future. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.